This is Let's Get Real with your realtor hosts, Mallory Myers and Rob Calabro, talking real life and real estate. All right, from the Buckeye State to the Sunshine State, this is Let's Get Real. What's up, Mallory? Hey, Rob. How are you? Happy Monday. Doing great. Happy Monday to you as well. Um, so the, uh, the market is still on fire up here. How about down in uh, your part of the country? Uh, it's still on fire here. It definitely is. I'm constantly hearing stories of multiple offers and lines out the door of showings. And um, it's, it's still a hot market to be in. Yes, it is. And we're going to kind of, the, the couple of the topics we have today are going to go on to, uh, off of that by a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about, I, I know the question you and I have both gotten from people a lot lately is, have I missed my window to sell? Um, and I think we know the answer is probably not, but we're going to dive into that in a lot more detail. We're going to talk about um, buying and as it pertains to this market. Some people are thinking now is a, a time to maybe sit on the sidelines and wait. But I think that the situations can be different for every individual person. So um, we're going to just talk about what to look at and in your situation where you should be at if you are in the need to find a home. Um, and then, of course, we've got some good behind the scenes, a couple of different stories we're going to talk about. Um, you've got a nice win to share with us, too. So, um, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, other big news I saw is that Tom Brady is no longer retiring. So <laughs> I know you're really excited about that piece of information. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It is wild what brings Tampa Bay together. And Tom <laughs> Brady is the glue. He is the glue of our city. It, it was so funny because we're just like relaxing, enjoying a normal Sunday afternoon, you know, totally nothing, you know, crazy. And then you just see his post that he's coming out of retirement and he's going to come back and, and take care of some unfinished business. And oh my gosh, Tampa Bay! If there would have been a, if it would have been a Saturday night, it would probably have had a party because yeah. of it. Yeah, and uh, I think there's a lot of uh, Cleveland Browns fans that would be just as happy if Baker Mayfield announced that he was yeah. retired. <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, gosh, the memes were gold last night. I mean, just complete gold. I don't, I don't know how people move that fast into creating such funny content, mm -hmm. but like my friends and I were talking about them and sharing them. And one of them was these gas prices are making Tom Brady even come back to work. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's um, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of uh, funny people out there. They should be putting their uh, skills to, to work in probably a lot of other places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it is great for Tampa Bay. I'm happy for you guys. Um, Maybe we'll get some some good news in the football realm up here in Columbus, uh, Columbus sometime soon. Yeah, um, it's crazy. It's crazy. But uh, a quick note, since we're talking about the Tom Brady, you know, I kind of joke about, you know, Tom Brady loves the city. Why don't you move here? All this stuff. Like, maybe I'll get business because Tom <laughs> Brady is here, you know. And last night I got a message from a guy who said he ended his lease when Tom Brady left <laughs> and he now he wants to buy. Nice. There whatever you go. whatever Tom, gets you to buy. Tom Brady is moving the real estate market. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. Um, 
but it is in the market has been hot down there probably ever since he came down not because of him but yeah. it just happened to be that way i mean but you guys have a lot of great things happening down there we do yeah. even tom brady's taking advantage there you go um all right so um let's dive in a little bit if if one of your clients calls you and says hey you know what i was thinking about selling but i'm hearing from all my my friends out there that i missed the window i should have already done it it's too late now what would you say to them uh absolutely not too late it's still an incredible time to sell if anything it's now now it's even more of an incredible time to sell just because of how far people are going to getting an accepted offer um it's pretty wild it's pretty it's the wild wild west out there so mm -hmm. uh, it is still a good time to sell it is an incredible time to just take advantage of being in control of your timeline on when to move out getting as max um the maximum amount you know of profit some some buyers are paying seller fees you know they're just paying uh post occupancy free rent i mean it is it's crazy out there so if you are a seller it is an incredible time to cash out still and have a house over your head until you find somewhere to go yeah you've got incredible leverage i mean the numbers throughout 2021 told us that same story and uh it, and i just did a, a march market report um and part of what i had mentioned was yes if you are thinking about going on the market um now is the time to do it because you know what we typically see as far as the trajectory goes in columbus is the the um the market continues to heat up throughout the spring the peak level of new listings is usually mid-summer and then the peak level of inventory is usually into the early or mid fall so mm. what that means is you want to be on the market before everybody else peaks in the midsummer so march april may is probably the best time to put your house on the market and all of those things you just mentioned of course we're still seeing that occur i think that there was maybe some thought um you know maybe a month or two ago that with rates going up a little bit, that that was gonna change the market. Um, but it looks like rates have actually kind of leveled out a little bit, just below 4%. And from what I'm reading, they are probably gonna stay in that range for a while. So what I would say is you know that, that the market is really advantageous right now. You don't know what it'll be in three months or six months. And you know that rates are at somewhat of a steady point. So high buyer demand, good interest rates, all these things point to acting sooner than later is what I would think. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. So, I mean, what do you think was driving or that thought process with some people who maybe thought that they missed the, the window to sell? Yeah, well, for one instance, I got a text a couple of weeks ago, maybe just last week, um, asking since, you know, everything going on in Ukraine, you know, mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. is is what's happening the inflation with the war with all of the stuff going on um is did they miss that window because people you know fear of people will stop buying they're going to stop you know being um as competitive as they are to win an offer and i understand that if you don't know what you're seeing in this market you, you're not a professional in it you're you might have that thought 
Um, so I just quickly told her it's absolutely still a good time. I understand where that thought is coming from, but it's not stopping anybody from buying a house right now. Sure. I mean, I guess that's a great point. It was some uncertainty. And I mean, there is still uncertainty in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. but we we can look at the data as of today and say, well, now is good. Mm -hmm. Don't know what it'll be. And and I I personally don't think we're going to see some kind of crazy drop off or decline going into the you know future, but um, I guess we can't totally predict that. Um, but one thing I know, like specifically to our market in Columbus, the demand is is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at the statistics, and Columbus has grown thirteen percent uh, at a thirteen percent rate since the last census was taken, which was from twenty ten to twenty twenty. So our city is growing at a pretty good rate and a pretty steady rate, and that accounted for eighty five percent of the the growth for the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. So wow, yeah, I know it's it's great. It's great for Columbus, and then you see like I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Intel announced a, a a huge project that they're doing in New Albany, which is a suburb of Columbus, which is going to supply thousands of construction jobs during the building process and mm-hmm. thousands of uh, manufacturing jobs for uh, tech manufacturing. I think it's like computer chips. Yeah. So that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, it's great. I think it's great um, for the market going forward for the Mm -hmm. foreseeable future. Um, Right. So that's, I mean, and that, that impacts our next topic, which was, uh, or which is, should buyers, what buyers, if any, should be thinking about waiting to, to make a move because the market could change in their benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's, it's interesting because we don't hold a magic eight ball, right? Like we, we can't really tell you whether or not it's going to be a great time or whether or not you're going to make your money or, you know, in in three years, don't hold us accountable for that. We can only tell you what we believe based on what we're seeing in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a great time to buy the prices, especially here in the Tampa Bay area, they're only going to go up. So if you can lock a house down now, it's better than waiting a year, waiting, whatever. Now that's for the buyer who is ready, who has their finances together, who's been, um, you know, paid off maybe some debt, fixed their credit, has a bunch of money saved for cash to use in these transactions, um, and is ready to get pre-approved and start the process. Mm -hmm. If you can do all of those things and you can feel confident that you're ready, um, and each situation is different based on how much you should have all this stuff, but if you have all of those um, taken care of, then it's a great time for you to move now. In my opinion, if you don't have a lot of cash saved up to buy, if your credit is still kind of crappy, and um, you might have a higher debt to income ratio, you need to get those things taken care of before you have strength in getting accepted in this market. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might have to wait. And in order to know that, again, we've, we've talked about this so many times, is just getting with a lender and getting those finance, that financial piece figured out. You don't know unless you talk to, to somebody about it. So if, if you have all your ducks in a row and you're ready to go, it's an amazing time to buy. Don't, don't wait. Um, and if you need to save some money still and kind of work on some things, then let's, let's wait a little bit so that you're set up for success, in my opinion. What do you think? 
Yeah. Uh, well, I want to go off on a tangent a little bit here for a second. So you sent me, uh, I think it was you that sent me that article about better.com. Um, yes. Firing or yes. letting go of, I think it was thousands of employees, right? Yep. Yep. And um, it's, and I had never heard of them before, not to interrupt you, I've never heard of them before until a, cl a client of mine said they got pre-approved by doing one of their online things. And I said, listen, I don't think that that's going to be enough information to get you pre-approved. I think it's just like a generated thing. Why don't you get pre-approved with my lender? Cause I'm not, so, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure about that. And then this was the second time I heard about them. Yeah, I, I'd seen that. And I'd seen a few things about that company leading up before you sent that to me. Um, nothing great. And I don't want to say that because I don't have any personal experience with them. So I don't want to say like factually that I know they don't do a good job, but I'd heard from other agents right. that the, the pre-approval from that company is a really simple thing that you can do online. So you get one of those pre-approvals. You may need to do more research to make sure that that buyer is truly qualified. And it wasn't just a, like, yeah, I make this, I have that. And it that's was, exactly yeah. That's exactly what she said it was. She said, it, and I'm so glad she brought it to my attention because she said, I put in my own information. I didn't really submit documents and they told me a number. She's like, I feel like maybe I should have, I should be providing more information to get a true read of what I'm pre-approved for. Yes. And, and it's our job as agents to kind of understand that, um, you know, when you get a pre-approval letter, you should read it, research it, make a call to that lender, you know, check all the boxes to make sure that we've done the research to know that that buyer is truly qualified because that could make a huge difference in having a successful transaction mm -hmm. and, and ultimately getting you the most money. Because if we take a, a contract that from a buyer who's not truly qualified to buy and we don't find out for a few weeks after that they're not qualified, then we go back on the market, that increases our likelihood of having to take a lower price. Right. Um, not, not necessarily. Sometimes you wait a couple weeks and you end up with a better situation, mm -hmm. but not guaranteed. And I've seen it happen both ways. But obviously, the, the best scenario is you take the best offer right away and you get mm -hmm. to a closing. Um, so I guess that was just uh, a, a little side nugget to say that um, in the lending industry, there's a lot of changes happening. And so what I'd seen happen is over the last few years, lenders have been growing like crazy because in 2020, when rates went so low, everybody did a refinance. I mean, mm -hmm. literally, I think the statistic was like more than 70% of the country has a, a rate below 4%, something like that. And I don't know the number for sure, but it's, it's something like that, mm -hmm. um, which is insane. I mean, that is really great. Um, but what that means is every lender over the last two years was so busy. I mean, just they, they couldn't, you know, they didn't have enough staff. Mm -hmm. They were and they were doing really well. But now rates increase a little bit and it's not as easy to get all these refi deals because, I mean, the rate was so low that if you had a rate above that, it was just an easy sale. Hey, I could save you a couple hundred bucks and you don't really have to do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Pretty easy. Right. So, right. Now, this is just my speculation that company like better.com, maybe they grow, grew at a really rapid um, pace 
And now they're realizing that they can't sustain that because the business that they had over the last year or two is now not as strong just simply because the refis aren't there. Um, well, not even refi is just the fact that more cash deals are winning than finances. That's true. Cash deals. Now you should, a lot of those cash deals should be doing a refinance after the purchase. Um, but regardless of whether they do or they don't, uh, it, it does make the climate a little bit more challenging. And the point I'm kind of been slowly getting to is that you as a buyer, now you might have a little bit more leverage in negotiating your rate because lenders, the business isn't that easy at, at, like it was a year ago. Um, and they might have to fight a little bit more to get your business, meaning they might be able to negotiate the rate a little bit more, mm. might be able to negotiate the terms a little bit more. Um, yeah. It, you know, so it's something to consider when you're shopping for a, a, either a refi or a new purchase loan. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it, it, it's tough. I mean, I've talked to a few lenders where kind of touching on that better situation that they've had to let go of some people because their business is kind of starting to slow down a little bit compared to 2020. You know, their most mm -hmm. recent hires where they had to hire a bunch of people like better, not 900 employees over an email or however that guy did it. Yeah. But, you know, they, they had to bring on more people because of that. And then now they're kind of having to revamp their, their employee list because of it slowing down a little bit and being a little hard to maintain because of cash, you know, cash mm -hmm. is, winning more deals than, you know, financing is at the moment, you know, and right. just kind of, it's not just a struggle for the realtors. It's kind of like a chain reaction. Um, so it's interesting, but yeah, that, that better situation, it's, it, it kind of just goes to show kind of like Zillow, kind of like those other companies that, you know, they have a big name and they, they act like they can give you a great deal by, you know, offering this or listing your house for this. And then you find out that there's hidden fees. You find out that they're charging you somewhere else. And then you find out that their reviews are crap. And then you find out, you know, they let go of 900 employees in the crappiest way ever because they couldn't afford to keep them anymore. Yeah. It's sad. Um, but yeah, you got to do your, do your due diligence, check for the points. A lot of times I'll see this lenders will get a, get a rate to, to match a rate of another competitor or to beat a rate and they'll charge some points and they, it might be on the disclosure. They don't exactly point that out and the buyer just sees all these fees and thinks mm -hmm. they're all, you know, they're just all, the fees are all the same. And yeah, they don't, they don't realize that they they actually paid to get that better rate. So, and I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm just saying you gotta check, right? You know, check what you're uh, reviewing, and obviously, right. if you don't know, you haven't seen it, ask ask one of us to uh, help you out and review uh, what's being shown to you and see if we can give you any advice on it. Yeah, it's and that's a great point because I had just um, with my client talking about pre-approvals and lenders in which who she wants to go with. Um, she talked about her credit union offering paying for closing costs. And I said, I love that. I, I would want nothing more than for you to have help and more money in your pocket. The, the reviews for this credit union were two stars and had like over a hundred reviews about them financing home loans. That's not confident. No. And then make sure that they're not going to charge you somewhere else for giving you the money up front. Are they going to end up, you know, pay like charging you in another way where 
yes, they'll give you this money out of pocket at closing, but where are they going to make it? Because they're most likely, they're a business, they're going to want to make it somehow. So yeah. it sounds amazing when you hear all the, you know, the, the cherry on the Sunday, oh, but they'll give me money to, to pay for this, you know, lump sum, which is amazing. And I hate, I hate bringing the party down, you know, after having this conversation by saying, I don't like, of course, I want you to have more money in your pocket. Of course, I don't want you to have to pay for these things. However, I want you to actually hit the closing table. Right. I want you to actually be able to have a smooth transaction and security that you're going to close. And I don't feel confident that this company is going to be able to do that for you because the reviews don't show that. And, you know, there's always a little asterisk if they're going to do something, right? So just, I told them, do the research. I, of course, will stand by whatever they really feel that they want to do. But as a professional in this industry, I'm going to give you my advice and feedback and it's to check, you know, do some research, see, you know, what their closing ratio really is and, and see where those fees are going to end up being somewhere else. Yeah, it makes sense. You got to um, make sure that you're evaluating it fully and ultimately, you know, make the best decision that's, that's going to work for your finances. Yeah. So we were talking, let me, let's, let's backtrack to what we were talking about before. I guess the, the answer to that, the, the topic question kind of is, should, you know, if you're a buyer, who, who are the buyers that should be considering waiting? Who are the buyers that should be acting now? And I, I pretty much totally agree with what you said, which is if you're ready, willing, and qualified, if you look at the numbers of, let's say, the rate of home price appreciation and higher interest rates and you do the math, most likely you're going to pay a little bit more for a house a year from now and you're going to have probably a higher rate now if rates go down great but either way you're probably going to end up paying more than paying less mm -hmm. if you were in a position where you couldn't you know where you needed to save for that then the right move is to wait mm -hmm. but if you're ready to buy now then you could be costing yourself money by waiting um but obviously the situation has to be right for you and mm -hmm. Everything I'm reading is saying, if you're at a point in your life where a move is necessary, then you're not really benefiting by holding out for this market to, to change. Because mm -hmm. most likely we're going to see appreciation. It may, may not be the same rate that we've seen, but we're going to still see appreciation. Um, and the likelihood of rates going back below to where they were uh, a year ago is probably not great. I think if it can stay in the fours, that would be excellent. Mm -hmm. um, probably get a good balancing point for the market, but, um, you know, you've got to re you've got to evaluate your situation and the same goes for the sellers, so, you mm -hmm. know, the seller topic. If, if you're ready and able to make a move, let's say that you live in Columbus and you've been dying to get down to that, uh, sunny Florida weather, like now's the time to sell your house thing. But if you, if you have no reason to move and you don't need more space, you don't have a life change, a job change, a family change, then you, you may not be better off putting your house on the market, getting that money, because then you've got to figure out where you're going next. Right. Um, if you're in a position, like I've got a lot of clients right now that are in a position to do a move, move up, higher price point. The mm -hmm. higher you go in price point, especially in Columbus, I don't know if this is true for Tampa, but in Columbus, once you get a, a, a good bit above the median price range, the market is strong but it's not quite as competitive. You know, you, you might not be having to 
bid against 15 other buyers. Maybe you're only a couple other buyers that you're bidding against, or maybe you can negotiate directly with the seller because the, the competition is not as strong. So if you're in a move up position, then this is probably a great time. Get the cash out on your median priced home or your slightly above median priced home and go buy a bigger house. Uh, that's that. That's a smart move, I would think. But if you're if you're transitioning from one median priced home to another median priced home, you're going to see a lot of competition. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. Um, I I'm putting that into perspective of what I'm dealing with now, um, potentially dealing with and not dealing with in a negative way, but you know, might be happening soon. Um, I, which I mentioned to you, I met with some past clients who I helped them by, I think it was the end of 2020. And um, they, it, four bedroom, two and a half bath, pool house on a, in a cute little neighborhood. Um, it's about 45 minutes north-ish. Um, it, it's a, a very fast up and coming neighborhood where a lot of people are moving from St. Pete in the Tampa area to there because they can get more house for their money. Okay. Um, so they purchased for 300,000 and looking, they, they brought it up to my attention. It's too much house for them. It's a younger couple with a new baby and a dog. And when they were looking, they were looking for a big yard for their dog or at least yard space so the dog can play and, mm -hmm. you know, room to grow in. And after two years of being there, they're like, our dog doesn't play in the yard. You know, he sits in the same sunny spot every day. Um, and we only hang out in like three rooms of the house, you know, which is like living room, kitchen, bedroom. Like mm -hmm. You're not really doing much else. So they're like, we have too much house for us. And uh, we're curious of, of potentially downsizing um, and, and seeing what we can get. And they bought their house for 300000 and we could list it. This is just listing it at around 500000 And most, and I've been talking to a couple of friends lately about what they're seeing in that area and they're, it's aggressive there. So they're mm -hmm. probably going to get more than 500000 and they bought it for three. Yeah. Um, but we're going to have to downsize, which means the price point is probably going to be even based on where they're wanting to go because mm -hmm. now they're wanting to come down closer to the water with quality of life, right? They're, they're realizing they'd rather have a smaller house closer to where they enjoy spending their time over a bigger house, you know, where it's not as busy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're going to have we're going to even out because that price point is probably going to end up being the same because sure. the 500,000 homes here, you know, are a little bit smaller because of the location versus the $500,000 homes there. If that makes sense. Like it's going yeah. to be an interesting trade-off. They're basically evening it out, well, but at least they can do it. What I would say is, um, yeah, it, it, it would make sense. I believe because they can take that cash equity in their house and mm -hmm. put it towards the next purchase. And maybe they end up with a very similar payment and mm -hmm. still get what they want. Exactly. Um, Which so, quality yeah. of life. Yeah. And so that, you know, the downsizing move is goes into that same category as I would put into the, um, the move up buyer yep. because you could get you can get a lot of equity out of your current home and you can put it into either an equal or lower priced home but maybe it's got different needs like for example mm -hmm. i know in columbus um the condo market is is strong right now just like the rest of the market but you're not going to see the same competition if you're 
if you're going from a large single family home downsizing to a one story condo or a high rise to get downtown or something cool like that, you probably will not see the same level of competition that you are seeing in the suburban neighborhoods mm-hmm. in the median price range. So that would also be a great transition. I guess the bottom yeah. line is you've got to, every situation is different and you should evaluate it, but you know, um, it, but take advantage of it. Take, take advantage, advantage if, of the market. If, take if, advantage of the if market. If making a move is right for your family, then then there's probably a good way we can work it out. And your for your client's situation, you could probably get them a very good deal where they could get a little bit of time to rent back the property yep. and find find a house and kind of make it work that way. Um, definitely something I, if I was in their shoes, I would would certainly consider doing that. Yeah, um, we, we probably will. We'll probably close and then have a lease back agreement, hopefully with that whatever buyer, however long that could be. Um, and there there was actually a house very, very similar to theirs that hit the market on Thursday. And um, very curious of how quickly that will go pending to show them how fast it is. Mm-hmm. But um, I checked the realtor remarks in the MLS and they asked for a 60-day lease back. So I told them, I'm like, listen, like this is something that is pretty common and isn't hurting buyers from moving on. Yeah. Yeah. That's very common in our market too. And um, as much as it's not the, the greatest thing for the buyer, most people are willing to work with it and you can do it. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not the end of the world. And there's um, a lease. There's going to be protection. You know, yeah. it, you're not going to just let this person live in your house and, and not have some kind of protection as the new owner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I know that we had a couple of pretty good uh, top conversations offline over the weekend about some stuff. Do you want to yeah. dive in a little bit? To let's some go the for scenes? it. Yeah, let's go. All right. Um, so the, the one that you and I were talking about yesterday was the I had scheduled a showing um, and we were actually at we had scheduled a couple of showings in a row. We were actually at the previous, the one before it. And I got an email, you know, notification from the showing service saying the price had changed. Um, and I was double checking. Well, this doesn't seem right. Uh, they had, they had raised the price from four forty nine to five nineteen. Uh, so they opened up showings on a Thursday or a Friday. We were seeing it on a Sunday morning and uh, they had gotten so much interest that they decided to raise the price seventy thousand um, dollars. That, that's unbelievable to me. There's a couple thoughts I have on it. I want to hear yeah. your thoughts first, then. So first, I was like, "How is that even ethical? Right? How is that even fair?" Mm-hmm. But then after we talked about it and I processed it, and I, and I know that you'll share your thoughts on it. I thought, well, I guess this is better for the buyer not to just submit a 450 you know or a 470 offer because they're not going to get accepted if there are other offers that are that far above listing why let us suffer and wait and hope for something that is unattainable yes i agree with that part of it um my other thought was you know did they underprice it and could there have been a little bit more research done and i don't know that like i don't want to say that that's 100 percent the truth um i mean I, i've got another one to tell you about in a second but um 
I don't want to say it's 100% true, but maybe maybe they could have gone with a higher price and it, it, it would have just been more accurate to the market. Because that's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's better for us to not go, to not submit an offer if we know that, let's say that, you know, we had, even if you had $50,000 that you could go up on that property, it would still not have met what they were now requiring. And my guess is because they had received offers or at least an offer that was at that, at or around that mm -hmm. price point. So yeah. I, my, my initial reaction was, well, that's disappointing. Then it was like, well, thank you for not wasting my time. And then it was like, well, maybe you could have uh, priced it more appropriately to begin with um, possibly. And, and either way, I guess good for them, good for the market, but um, not great for my clients. Yeah, that that's, and it's super frustrating. Say like, you know, if they didn't send that in advance or, you know, you're on your way to that listing and you take time out of your day and your clients and then you find that out, that's definitely frustrating. Mm -hmm. To your point of, could they have done more research? And I, I was thinking about this, if I take on my client's listing, all the comps are showing under five, like 480 of what it's listed for. And talking to friends and thinking about it, I'm like, I'm sure that I could go above five. However, you, you're afraid to go over five if nothing shows that it's over five and you want maximum exposure, you want multiple offers, you want all those things. So if the comps don't show anything above five, then maybe it would be too high of a price point for people to wanna look at. So I'm putting myself in that perspective because I was talking to a friend about, you know, what do they think about paying this much for this type of house? Mm -hmm. And she said, you could probably list it for six at this point. And I'm like, okay, but none of the comps show that. So I don't want to list it for six. You know, I right. hope, oh my, oh my God, if we got 600,000 for a 500,000 listing, that would be amazing. But I don't want to be that a-hole that lists it for that because then we're going to get a totally different buyer pool. Yeah, I mean, my, and my approach is always to list it as close as you can to fair market value and then let the market decide. Yeah. Um, but it, it's possible that you could push the upper end of what would be considered fair market if you're seeing that that, I mean, you should look at the data, like what is the percentage of this price that's being achieved only on those comps that are specifically mm -hmm. comparable to that property. And that could give you a better idea of what you might see. I mean, that's something you should also analyze if you're a buyer making an offer on that property. Well, um, and that's hard too, because comps don't really matter what's going to be accepted, right? Like if it, right. for an for a buyer standpoint of offering a house, if people are going to be aggressive and crazy. However, I have, I was looking at how long were they on the market? What was it listed for? What was it sold for? Mm -hmm. And what was pending that was just like it? What is what's currently right. on the market that is under contract? And what's what was the list price? I can't see what it's pending for, but I can see what it was you know listed for and right. how quickly it went pending. Yeah, and, but one thing you can look at is let's say that you you've got you've identified five houses that are very similar in style mm -hmm. and condition and features and everything, and then you take a look at okay, those, all those properties sold in, let's say, the last 90 days, and they, uh, each one of them at a, sold at a range of 106 to 109% of their list price, then you can 
take that into account as to what buyers might consider on your listing. Yeah. And vice versa. If you're making an offer on that property and, and not a single uh, and not a single house has sold less than 105% of the list price, then I don't think offering 100% of list price is going to get it. You know that there's a, high, right. a very high level buyer demand based on those numbers. Very true. Yep, absolutely. So, so speaking of uh, percentage of list price, um, the other one I was going to mention to you, I was researching a property um, for t- pricing out a property over the weekend. And I had noticed there was a, uh, this is in Clintonville. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Clintonville, but it's a very popular uh, historic type of area of Columbus. And um, there was a property that listed for 520, uh, I think it was something in the like mid five, 522 or something and sold for 762,000. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. Did they negotiate something else? I, I want to dive into this more. So mm-hmm. I contacted the agent who sold it. And sure enough, uh, it just, it, it was like really nice, ornate, like a lot of historic character that people just really loved this house. And so uh, it actually sold for over 200, whatever that math is, like over $250,000 cash above the list price something and, like that just happened here too and yeah. a great in a great location two hundred five thousand dollar over list wow it's unbelievable but you've got to do that research to know what the specifics were because some of that could be taken to another comp and used to to analyze the data and some of it has other facts and features that you mm-hmm. have to take into account like that's not going to be every it's house. not normal for sure. Um, but, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, really, really good uh, info. So you had a, uh, a, a win you wanted to share with us. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I got new buyers under contract very easily. And that's a huge win. You know, we've talked about um, how long it takes to work with buyers, how long it takes to get them under contract. And I've worked with buyers for months and months and cash buyers for months and months and they've given up, you know, they don't think they're going to look here anymore. And then getting new buyers is scary because you're just like, oh, like I don't want to be, you know, continuing mm-hmm. to, in the, to be in this market and feel defeated. But of course, you're still going to work with them and help them. But um, I got new buyers. We got them pre-approved. They, um, they had plenty of time. They were, you know, not looking to really have to be out of their place till August. So they're starting the process now, which is fabulous. Um, but we, I showed, um, it's a married couple. I showed the wife one property and it, it wasn't a win. And then the second property, I showed them both. They loved it. They were like, this is really awesome. Like we really, really like this house. Um, and so it was on the market for four days. It was a property that had been back on the market and I reached out to the agent and I, um, I kind of just asked if, if it was still available because it's been on the market four days. Are they under negotiations? You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's the process? Is it still something that we can submit an offer on? And she said, yes, it's absolutely still available. Um, and I said, okay, cool. Well, I asked, you, is there a highest and best? Do you know when, how many offers do they have? What's it look like? And she told me that the seller had asked not to disclose if, about any offers, just submit your highest and best. So I was kind of like, okay, 
well, it's been on the market four days. They're still accepting offers. Um, I don't really want to go crazy, you know, and have my client go crazy on it. But let's submit something a little bit over a list just in case they have an, a list property, uh, a list offer. So we submitted 5,000 over, 5,000 appraisal gap, 30-day close. Um, they had offer instructions in the MLS and I followed them to a T. Every single thing they wanted, we did. Um, but with our offer, obviously, and submitted it to the agent, was wrote a little you know, paragraph about us and, and how solid they were, how they've been vetted, how they already have verified assets you know, to close. Um, and the agent called me and she said, you know, um, this was you know, probably a day, a day goes by of the seller thinking about it. And then she called me and she said that our offer was accepted. There was, I think, one to two other offers, um, but I presented everything the way that it, they were asked. They know that um, because of that and how I communicated for my clients and um, just not only the offer, but how well I presented everything, she trusted that I would be able to handle this transaction well. Um, and she felt confident in my abilities to do it. So not only did they like our offer, but I was like a huge selling point on top of it because of how I presented myself. Nice. Um, so it was, it was a huge win. Again, you know, I had not been working with these clients very long. It was the second property I showed them and I got them under contract. And that's that's such a win because we feel defeated and feel defeated and feel defeated and so it used to be like oh yeah we got another contract now it feels like yes i got them under yeah. contract it is and a win it is it a is win. it is a win and i remember we talk about this privately of how long we work with clients and then how mm -hmm. new ones come and we could get them like that and yeah. it just it almost feels like something's gonna go wrong if i get them <laughs> under contract like this but yeah. that's a reward for our hard work it shows up in other ways well, yeah, I mean, all of your hard work pays off because your job in representing that client helped them get the property. Um, and I mean, I, I think that that's a, um, almost a great example for people out there who are, who are in the market is um, just, you know, don't be, don't, you don't have to hold back just because it's your first property um, that you're interested in making an offer on. Because I've seen it in this market where people will sometimes sell, They'll, you know, not hesitate and they'll go for it and they'll get the first one and they're happy. And sometimes they're still looking in the market six months later. So um, that's a yeah. great thing. But um, on top of that, the terms that you mentioned, that's not bad for this market. I mean, that's great for them. Not at all. It's a, it's a great offer. It's it's not, you know, crazy um, and and paying too much. And it's a really great house. I mean, I'm really hoping that we'll, we'll, We'll appraise at contract just because you know it's conventional. We should, you know, we haven't really had many issues with conventional appraisals lately, being crazy under. Um, so just really praying that it will continue to be easy and smooth, just like it was getting it under contract. Well, I'm sure it will. Uh, you 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 have the ability to navigate it properly, so I'm sure it'll go well. Thank um, you. Do you have any wins to share, Rob? Um, I didn't get any buyers in contract over the weekend. Um, I do have a couple of things coming up on the market soon as far as listings. Um, nice. That's great. So those are good. And ultimately, uh, the market is, is ripe for that. So um, any of my clients out there uh, listening, if you're thinking about making a move, now is the time for us to get together and start talking about it. Um, 
just a little plug. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, That's um, great. Yeah, it's great. I've got a lot of people um, looking and I think that the spring is going to hold strong for us. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, I think so too. I think that we're we're hanging on tight in this crazy market, but I think that we're going to start to see more listings and bring more inventory and, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll start to see more and more contracts and closings um, with our clients. Yeah, absolutely. And just like we talked about, you know, your every situation is different. So you, you got to have those conversations and analyze things to make sure you're putting yourself in the best position. And maybe it is the right time. Maybe it's not the right time. But regardless, um, you should at least consider it and, and do some research and talk to us about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, cool. Well, this has been a good episode. Um, a lot Agreed. of great info and we even gotten some technical stuff about the uh you know some list to, list price to sales price ratios and things like that so that's cool um, yeah anything you got before we head out of here um i just uh i'm excited i feel encouraged i hope you do too you know getting some listings getting some buyers under contract i'm hoping that you know our our season of maybe and I shouldn't speak for you, but, you know, at least for me, some defeat and feeling, you know, discouraged and feeling a little um, dry. I feel renewed and fresh and encouraged and, and not just from this, you know, one contract I got, cause I'm still kind of like, is everything going to go okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. But just, just feeling like new listings hit the market every day, new people come into your life every day. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, just, going forward and being excited for the opportunities to come. Yeah. I mean, it, it is um, in our line of business. And I think in a lot of sales positions, it's a little bit of a roller coaster from some, from time to time, right? You yeah. Got, you, you win some, you lose some and you work really hard and you got to hope they, they pay off. So happy for you on that one. And uh, I'm excited to see how it progresses next time we talk. Yeah, the inspection's tomorrow. So. Awesome. That'll be fun. Cross your fingers. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Um, hopefully it's in good shape for you. I think it will be. We'll see. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, we will talk soon then. All right. Have a great All week. Right, have a great week.